Hey everybody, it's Dan. Before we get to the podcast today, I wanted to let you know that what you're going to hear, uh, we recorded on Friday afternoon. So the reason I came on to tell you that early, and I do mention a couple times in the pod, but I wanted to just bring it up off the top because uh, we go through our 53-man projections that Scott and I did, and we talk, of course, in the tight end section about the possibility of David Njoku being traded, of course, on Saturday. Njoku rescinded his trade request and is all in on the Browns. So certainly Scott and I would have talked about the um, the 53-man roster a little bit differently, and, and the tight end position specifically a little bit differently. But honestly, it doesn't change the overall podcast much, so we're just going to roll with what we had, and we go through our 53-man rosters. But I just off the top wanted to let you know uh, this was recorded before Najoku rescinded his trade request on Saturday. Here's our pod. Hey everybody, welcome to our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well, and also joined by Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Good. We're ready to go. All right, we're going to talk 53-man rosters, very early projections of the 53-man roster. Scott and I each put one up, uh, so we're going to put those out there. Mary Kay can judge us. She can frown on us in judgment and the, the players we chose, uh, but we're going to go through uh, the lists that we had. So, I mean, let's just do it. Let's just start at the top with the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, there really isn't much room for discussion here. Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, Garrett Gilbert. We, we both had the same thing, Scott, but I had a little bit of an internal debate as to whether I was going to keep two or three. And my thinking was really, in a normal year, I would have kept two. I, I would have just kept Baker and Case Keenum. But I think they're going to have to have a better backup plan than just having somebody available on the practice squad, like a Garrett Gilbert or, or someone else. So I, I decided to keep three on the roster. Yeah. You know, I was using uh, for a lot of the offense, I was using what the Vikings did last year uh, with Stefanski as offensive coordinator. I thought that seemed a logical way to go at this. Um, and they kept two quarterbacks last season. So uh, yeah, at the beginning I was thinking, you know, okay, Mayfield and Keenum, obviously, uh, do we really need a third? And uh, I think uh, in your your 53 came out before mine, and I think in a way you kind of talked me into <laughs> having a third because your one of your rationales was, uh, you know, better safe than sorry here uh, considering uh, the situation we're in. So so put that third quarterback on there. Um, although, in, you know, they should take Garrett Gilbert and just, you know, I've read, I think it was Monday morning quarterback uh, might have had this. Uh, scenario where you have a quarterback who's not even in uh not even in Berea or wherever your team is is practicing and put him somewhere give him money <laughs> to kind of be on his own away from everybody is like uh you know break glass if emergency kind of situation and, and maybe you do that with Garrett Gilbert uh you you quarantine him away from everybody and you give him uh you know he'll, he'll have to be on the active roster but just you know just to be safe and uh, in case of emergency and you know he's kind of studying on his own and staying away from everybody but I mean I'm confident the Browns are doing everything they can to keep people safe but man the quarterback position is just so fragile and so many things can go wrong when you have injuries or, or issues there but bottom line though I think you're, you're right in, in what you add too that the three is the way to go and I think there's a clear three on here. Well, we did ask Kevin Stefanski on the Zoom call uh, last week about 
uh, whether or not they would sequester one of the quarterbacks, you know, keep somebody away in bubble wrap so that they absolutely had a starting quarterback for opening day. And he just didn't seem too keen on the idea. The other thing that he's going to be very intent on is not singling out the quarterbacks. He's like, we are going to keep all of our players safe and we're not just, just going to uh, hold them to a different standard of safety. So I thought that was kind of interesting, uh, but I don't expect that they're going to, going to do that. Well, they're where they will keep those guys separate. As far as Garrett Gilbert is concerned, there's one other little factor uh, for keeping him around that you guys haven't mentioned yet. Does any, can anybody think of it? Well, he's like one of Baker Mayfield's good friends. That's, that's all yeah. I <laughs> He is one of Baker Mayfield's uh, longtime, very, very, very good friends. And so much of this season and a lot of last season was about uh, supporting Baker, surrounding him with a good supporting cast, and having a quarterback room uh, that they really like a lot in terms of the energy, in terms of the camaraderie. So I, I think that's another reason Garrett Gilbert is going to stay. Well, Kevin Davidson, Kevin Davidson is an Ivy League guy, though. So I don't know. Maybe there's going to be a <laughs> Garrett Gilbert looked really good coming out at the end of games and kneeling down a few times last year. I think uh, yeah. he might have earned his way just on that. All right, let's move on to a, another really easy position running back. Uh, we both had Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Andy Janovich, who, of course, is the fullback. The only way, the only place we really differed was uh, Benny LeMay. I had him, uh, the undrafted free agent out of Charlotte. Scott, you had Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, so I guess, uh, you know, I'll give my explanation for why I didn't keep Hilliard. I, I just don't know that he did enough to, to really blow me away last year, and I think you kind of look at LeMay, this is a guy that, you know, when we talked to, to Terry Pluto on it was our Wednesday pod last week, uh, it was, uh, he talked about bonuses. And LeMay is a guy that they gave a little bit of a bonus to. And I would imagine that they might favor keeping a guy that they like, kind of trying to sneak him on. Again, you know, with the practice squad this year, of course, you can pre protect a, a portion of it so guys can't get signed away. So it'll be interesting to see how that works with roster construction. Uh, but I just see them maybe keeping their own guy as opposed to keeping Dontrell Hilliard unless Mike Prefer really wants to pound the table and say, we need Dontrell Hilliard here. But I picked a couple other guys uh, for that. So I kind of had to lose Hilliard in that regard. Well, I had Chubb and Hunt and, and Janovich too. I think, uh, you know, obviously those are the, the guys that are, I think, definitely going to be here. And I had Hilliard, um, you know, and I think you're going to find this as you go through the other positions on my 53 I sided more with people who have proven something in the NFL over guys who haven't. Uh, I just think that this year, considering no offseason workouts and no preseason games, that if I was running a team, I would be more inclined to take guys like someone like a Dontrell Hilliard, who I know has proven he can play in the NFL, has had some success, and has shown his versatility over somebody like Benny LeMay, who I have not seen do that, and who I won't be able to gauge his progress over, you know, three or four preseason games. I have a month to figure out if Benny LeMay is, is good in the playing league. And I don't know if that's, you know, if that's enough. I haven't had off-season workouts to see him, uh, you know, go from, you know, rookie camp to, to now. And so uh, I, I just think, you're gonna, again, you're going to see that on my 53, that I'm more about, uh, not taking risks on that. I don't think that the Browns are in a position to do that again because of the virus and because of just how starved this franchise is for success. And uh, I wouldn't want to take the risk like that. So I'm going to say Hilliard because 
He can. He, he was above average uh, kickoff returner last year. I think you have other options for punt return this year, but uh, I think Hilliard is, is someone you want on your roster. You know, the other thing to consider here is that um, remember how Stump Mitchell talked about Dontrell Hilliard last oh year? I mean, he <laughs> raved and raved about Dontrell Hilliard, and, uh, and he, he really praised him in a way that I think almost caught some of us off guard. And, uh, you know, some of that might have been because Duke Johnson wasn't around and, and, you know, they were kind of trying to make a point there about that whole situation. Uh, but Stump really likes Dontrell Hilliard. So Benny LeMay is going ha to have to come in here and knock Stump Mitchell's socks off uh, because he will have a large say in whether or not it is one of those guys or the other one. So I, I think that they will let him uh, have a voice in that. I should say, I, I, I thought about having five running backs in the very beginning because that's what the Vikings had last year. But the more I thought about Chubb and Hunt and how that's going to work, um, I just didn't see the need to have a fifth guy uh, considering how much playing time those two are going to get um, compared to what, you know, the Vikings had last year. So I, I just whittled it down to four. Okay. Now another position, Scott, that you have, uh, you've mentioned it on the podcast a couple times that, that you've looked at that the Vikings kept last year, wide receivers, you, you've thrown out that number five. Uh, so you and I both went with five there. Uh, the, the names we kept that were the same, Odell Beckham Jr., of course, Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, and Rashard Higgins. The differences we had, interestingly, kind of both with the special team slant. Uh, I went ahead and kept Kaderil Hodge. You kept JoJo Natson. Special teamers in, in very different ways. Hodge is a gunner. Natson is, is a guy that can help in the kick return. Uh, so, so what sold you on Natson over uh, some of the other options that might be there? There's also, who am I missing? Uh, Damian Ratley is a guy that's there. Uh, some of these other receivers, DJ Montgomery, uh, some of these other guys. It's a, always a big group in camp. It was, I mean, it was basically his, his pass as a punt returner and the fact that we don't know. Uh, I mean, asking Donovan Peoples-Jones to come in and be the main punt returner as a rookie when he's also trying to figure out wide receiver. Um, and I just think that's a, that's a big ask for him. Again, not having seen him at all this offseason and how he's acclimated to the NFL, which is something that kind of has uh, – it's like a shadow over both these 53 rosters that we – you know, there's a lot of unknowns that we would norm – we things we would normally know at this point that we don't. So um, – but, but Natson clearly is uh, – if, if you're taking Landry and Beckham out of the equation, which I think the Browns are, uh, Natson I think is probably your best option at punt returner. Um, He's super fast. I mean, you watch, you watch film of him, and it's just, it's just an explosion when he gets the ball. So uh, I think that's the kind of way he gets on the – now, I mean, once these guys get on the field, you know, maybe, maybe Damien Ratley or D.J. Montgomery, who someone always seems to bring up <laughs> in response to anything we say about the wide receivers, uh, uh, maybe one of those guys ends up, you know, showing up in camp and it takes that. I mean, we're talking about the fifth spot. But I think – you know, the Browns are unsettled at punt returner. And if you have JoJo Natson and Peoples-Jones on the roster, then at least you got two guys you can rotate and kind of figure out who's the best as you go along. Because I don't think Natson's going to contribute anything as a wide receiver. So when I look at what you guys have, um, you know, I think the number five, is, you know, you could get away with five. I could also see them keeping six. I mean, that is something uh, that they might decide to do. Uh, the other way that you could look at this is, if you do only go with five, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, is that Kareem Hunt uh, really can be uh, kind of considered 
a hybrid running back receiver. So, you know, you could get away with five because so many times we've talked about him uh, serving that role as the third receiver when they do go to three wides, which they don't even do very often. So I really could see five uh, sticking around. And the other thing is, as you guys mentioned, there are increased practice squads and uh, they have eased up the restrictions on who can be on the squad and things like that. So, you know, there's a couple of guys that might end up on the practice squad. Uh, but I, th I do think they'll keep JoJo Nasty. They just signed him. Uh, and I think they want to see what he can do uh, at, you know, as a returner. I think they're kind of excited about him in that role. So I would have to say uh, that if I had to choose one over the other, uh, Hodge versus Natson, I probably would go with Natson because they just signed him and they obviously did that for, you know, for a reason. Um, but, you know, you never know. You can make a case for both guys. And then I, I still think that Damian Ratley did show some things uh, last year. The other thing to consider is that Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry are both coming off surgeries. Mm -hmm. So even at least in the early going of the season, you might need to hang on to, to an extra receiver. Jarvis, you know, we, we think that he'll be ready to go by opening day, but there is no guarantee about that at this time. I'm, I'm going to cheat here, though, because I lost an offensive lineman this week uh, who opted out. So I'm going to replace him with JoJo Natson. So there you go. There we go. There We're all on board with JoJo Natson. <laughs> but I want to throw this out there. I just want to ask you guys this, because I did consider this. And I threw this name out there in an egg. Uh, one of our one of our insider newsletters, we call them Easter eggs, since I, since I just said egg. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and they're kind of little surprises for our football insiders. Uh, some, some gamers will probably understand that, I guess. Uh, but I, I threw out some veterans to watch that well, maybe you'd be surprised if this guy got cut, but it could happen. Scott, did you wrestle at all with Rashard Higgins? Because I still feel like there's it, nothing is guaranteed with him. I would be surprised if he didn't make the team. But I also look at, you know, I always like to look at how guys came back or how they got signed. And this is a guy that signed for less than a million dollars. They waited till after the draft to sign him. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they, they decided they needed him then. Or maybe it just means, eh, you know what? Okay, let's go ahead and bring Richard back. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think he's still, he's a guy that could maybe have to fight for his roster spot a little maybe than, than people think. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I put him on pretty quickly. But I think you're right, and I think it's probably worth paying attention to how everything went down and the, you know, the order in which these people showed up. You know, like Mary Kay said, they went out and uh, and they got JoJo Natson early, and then you draft Donovan Peoples-Jones, and you know, only after all that do you bring back Richard Higgins. So uh, I just I look at the roster and I look at the experience and I look at how many people haven't really accomplished much of anything among those receivers. You know, Tamon Taylor had uh, a couple, uh, at least one pretty good year with the, with the, um, with the Titans. So he, I think he caught about 30 passes one season, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, he's, you know, he's somebody who could show up in camp and, 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 and kind of surprise because he does have uh, the special team side to his game as well. So there is that, but Higgins, I think just stands out among the rest of those guys as someone that, uh, you know, we saw it in camp, you know, when, when uh, we had so many wide receivers last year and it was clear that Richard Higgins is one of the best receivers out there, you know, of the other guys, not named Beckham and Landry. So I didn't really wrestle with putting him on there. I think he ends up being on the roster because um, you just, you don't have a lot of other great options. Not that, not that I don't think he's good. Not that I don't think he has potential, but 
he's not really, you know, fighting off a lot of great competition there. Well, the other thing that he has going for him, of course, is that he has that natural chemistry with Baker Mayfield. Right. And this is a season where no chemistry was able to be developed in any kind of an offseason program. So he hasn't thrown the ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones yet. He hasn't thrown the ball to JoJo Natson or some of these other guys. Uh, so he has that with, uh, with Richard. So I think that's going to count for something. The other thing is, if Jarvis is going to need a little, little bit of time uh, before he is 100% ready to go, Richard is somebody that you know that you can plug in there. You can count on him. He's going to, he's going to be there. He's going to be reliable for you. Most of the time he's going to catch the ball. He's kind of have a, he has a little bit of a nose for the red zone, and he does have that timing with Baker. So if Baker has a say in the matter, uh, I, I think Richard sticks around. Okay. That's just one I'm putting a pin in. Just, we'll, we'll, we'll see yeah. kind of what happens with Higgins. I, I would be surprised if, if it didn't happen, but I also I, – I didn't get the sense this offseason that, oh, man, they, it's really a priority to get Rashard Higgins back uh, on this roster. But, but we will see. Uh, not much difference on tight end. Uh, Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, Stephen Carlson, uh, Farrell Brown. Scott, you put the caveat in that maybe instead of Carlson, it could be a trade or a waiver claim. Uh, so I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on that. I think we've also spent a lot of time talking about uh, David Njoku. Mary Kay, I will ask you this, though, you know, as we're still kind of getting a sense of how Kevin Stefanski talks about guys and how we can read between the lines. Did you take anything away from his answer on Njoku yesterday? Um, you know what? I, I think it's a consistent message with what we have heard from, from the Browns uh, in the wake of this trade request by David Njoku. They have said they, they like him. They want to hang on to him. They do not want to trade him. And uh, if unless somebody comes in with a really good offer for them, uh, they're going to keep him here, and they're going to have him be part of this two tight end scheme, which sometimes utilizes three tight ends. So I believe them on that. This is not an organization uh, that blows a lot of smoke. These guys uh, uh, shoot pretty straight. So I think, that, I think that they plan to keep him around unless Drew Rosenhaus – uh, can pull off, can pull the same rabbit out of a hat that he did with Duke Johnson. I mean, that was a great deal. That was a win-win for both clubs. If he can do that, uh, that then David, you know, would probably be gone. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's part of me that, that kind of might have put him in the mix here at tight end, I think. And the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, when, we, when we're talking about Richard, I forgot to say. Yeah. Uh, you know how I keep talking about that they should trade for Yannick Noah? I mean, not Yannick Noah. <laughs> Yannick. <laughs> you were watching the NBA last night. We're yes. on, on Friday after the NBA Open. Nick away. Richard. You know, you could always maybe package Richard with some picks for Yannick. So something also to think about. You know, when we get to training camp practices, when they're actually on the field, if, if Njoku is over there on the bikes for the first week, we'll know something's up. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on to the offensive line again. Not a ton of differences here. Like I said, I, I lost Drew Forbes. Uh, I had him making it. So I had 10 linemen, uh, which felt like a lot. But I just feel like kind of like quarterback, that's another position where you're going to have to have some flexibility. You have to be able to, to run some guys in there. But I think that was really the only difference we had. You had nine guys, and then I added in Drew Forbes as, as a 10th. And then, of course, um, you know, if you listed these in order of starters, Scott, you had Wyatt Teller at right guard. I put Nick Harris there, which is something we talked about uh, on our Friday pod. So you can go back and, and kind of listen to that. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on the, uh, the offensive line. 
time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Now back to our show. So let's move to the defensive line, where we've got uh, Scott keeping nine. I'm keeping eight. Again, no real surprises. Scott, you decided to keep Porter Gustin around, though, which I, I thought was interesting. I, I moved on from uh, a lot of the extra guys from last year, minus Chad Thomas. But uh, you, you decided to keep Porter Gustin around. Yeah, and, you know, this spot could have been an extra receiver. But, you know, I thought about what the Browns went through last year uh, on the defensive line. and the lack of depth and how they had to kind of remake it down the stretch there. And uh, Olivia Vernon hasn't played, you know, more than 12 games in, in over three years. So, um, so yeah, I think having more depth there and being better safe than sorry is might be the way to go. Um, and, you know, not that Port Augustine is going to come in and, and have a huge contribution, but he, he had like the 10th highest defensive grade. If you if you're into pro football focus grades, uh, you know, he, he did okay in limited action. He was pretty good in tackling. Uh, he didn't have a ton of pressures, but um, you know, nobody really did uh, after Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon were kind of sidelined. So uh, I think just the fact that Vernon's had the injury history, Claiborne isn't as young as he used to be. Um, he's, he's been pretty durable, but you know, Again, you just want to be safe, I think, and so that's why I threw another defensive end on there. You know, when I, when I look at these uh, defensive linemen, I think the th one thing to remember, when we're looking at defensive linemen and offensive linemen, if anybody else is going to opt out on this football team, uh, those are the two spots that I always look to and wonder uh, if you might have guys that have some high-risk situations uh, that, you know, we know that, that body mass can be an issue with some of those guys. Uh, we've already seen that uh, Chad Thomas has expressed, uh, you know, that he is, has some trepidation about playing amid COVID. So, uh, yeah, and he's just another guy too that I kind of, I just wonder about him a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, just being able to take it to the next level. I also think uh, amongst the defensive linemen, 
I think they're gonna, going to continue to look for depth at that position. I think that we might see a guy make the team that isn't even on the team yet on the defensive line. So I think that's another thing to watch for. Um, well, I'll ask this about the interior guys uh, with, you know, the main four are Ogan, Joby, Richardson, Billings, and Elliott. Uh, are we safe to assume it's going to be Richardson and Ogan, Joby starting, or could one of those guys, one of those young guys, I mean, Ogan, Joby's a young guy too, but could, could a Billings or, uh, or an Elliott push their way into that starting lineup? Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, I think so. I think, I think on opening day, I'm guessing in part because once again, we don't have four preseason games for, you know, for somebody to come in and take the bull by the horns and really, uh, you know, show out in those kind of games. But, uh, you know, I, I just think as, you, you know, maybe a matter of, of respect and things like that, that'll probably start out to be Sheldon and Ogunjobi there in the middle. But I mean, they, Andrew Billings is, is, a, is a good player. And they also drafted Jordan Elliott in the third round for a reason. So those guys are going to be part of the rotation early on. And then it's just a matter of what do you do with those reps? You know, how do you grade out in those reps? And they will go by the numbers this year. I mean, it's, they're not going to go by, you know, who drafted whom or whatever. They will go by, uh, you know, who is grading out uh, really well in those situations. And there will be competition for those spots. I think I wrote that Ogan Joby and Billings are, are likely to compete for that other spot uh, next to Richardson. And, you know, Elliot might be the last man standing last next year if you go by uh, how the contract situations at the other defensive tackles. So uh, I think he'll be a big part of the rotation for sure. Yeah, and that Jordan Elliott was, uh, if you go by pro football focus numbers, he was a guy that was really highly rated on their draft board. Like not just among defensive linemen, but he was in, I've written this a million times. I should know it off, off the top of my head, but he was in the twenties um, on like, their big board, their top 100 or whatever. So he was pretty high up. And then I did a little more searching too uh, for one of our 20 questions posts. And I think Dane Brugler had him ranked pretty highly among defensive linemen. Uh, and, there, and there were a couple other draft analysts that really seemed to like Jordan Elliott. So, you know, I think the Browns are looking at this like, hey, they traded down. They got another third round pick and they got a guy that, you know, an analytics site like PFF absolutely loves, a, a guy that some other draft analysts really love. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about what he can do. And I think it's going to be, Mary Kay, you've said this a few times. It's going to be about pressure up the middle with, with this football team. And Jordan Elliott is a guy you go back and you watch, you know, some YouTube highlights or whatever it is. That, that's one of the things he did really well. He, he created a lot of pressure up the middle. So I'm curious to see um, how all of that plays out. Uh, let's move on to linebacker, which is, again, such a strange uh, – such a strange position. I kept five. Scott, you kept five. And I felt like five was too many. Uh, so I was a little surprised that we matched up on that. But the obvious candidates are all in there. The only difference is I decided to keep Solomon Ajay. Uh, again, admittedly, just because, you know, Terry in our one podcast pointed out the uh, bonus <laughs> that, Ajay, that Ajay got. <laughs> but uh, you, you have a trade or waiver claim there uh, as your fifth linebacker. Yeah. Is that a surprise cut? in this group though sort of like how we talked about Richard Higgins is there a guy in this group that you look at and say hmm, maybe they maybe he won't make it I mean I think Taki Taki has to come strong during training camp and show that number one he can do multiple things and that he or just show more you know we didn't uh I think he was hurt a little bit during training camp last year if I remember correctly so yeah um and then obviously he didn't really get much of a chance on defense until over you know the second half of the season, I think he's somebody who 
uh, he just seems like somebody who could be that cut you're talking about because it just never happened for him here. Um, but uh, I think, and, and you mentioned uh, five seems too many. They, I thought that too at the beginning, and the, the Browns kept five last year, and we uh, you know obviously they played two linebackers most of the time. So I kind of used that as a template, and I thought, well, let's keep let's keep six because they're also you need linebackers for special teams too. Um, and I, but that group I think could use a little infusion of experience, not necessarily a guy who's going to come in and be a starter, but maybe clearly they need somebody at least at BJ Goodson's level of experience, you know, someone who's been in the NFL for a few years who um, they know uh, has contributed elsewhere because that, it's just, that's a thin group. If you just go based on past production, I mean, they, it could turn out Mac Wilson makes a big jump this year. BJ Goodson is everything they wanted him to be. And, and Taki Taki is just, you know, what we saw on film of him from college and, and everything's good, but that's a lot of ifs. And uh, that's why I put the, you know, the, the pickup at some point during camp down there. Yeah. You know what? I have to agree with you on that. I, I think that this is another spot along with defensive line where they are going to look for some depth. I think that they kind of know going into this that they left themselves a little bit short at the linebacker position. And I think that they've just been kind of holding out and waiting and hoping uh, that the right guy comes along for them. I don't know whether that will happen again uh, in a trade or, or how it's going to occur. You know, a number of times I've said that I would have advocated Clay Matthews. I don't think they have any interest in doing that. I still feel the same way about that. Um, but I do think that they will add some depth, and we do not know yet who that fifth linebacker is. And, and real quick, again, this is kind of a position where it goes back to that philosophy I mentioned of perhaps it's going to be hard for undrafted guys guys who haven't shown it yet in the NFL to make teams this year, you know, the guys who get cut uh, uh, during camp who have some NFL experience are maybe going to be a little more coveted than normal because again, you just, you don't, you haven't seen the progress some of these guys have made over the off season on the field. So that's why I think, you know, rather than keeping one of those undrafted guys, younger guys, uh, they, they're going to be searching for that experience. Yeah, I think that when I asked that question, Scott, that was the, the name you mentioned, Taki Taki, was one I had in mind. Again, it, it's sort of like Higgins. I wouldn't predict it. I don't think it you – know, I'd be shocked if it, or at least surprised if it happened. But I think if you're going to pick out a guy in that group, I think he's the guy that really needs to, to show you something. And I, Jacob Phillips is still a guy that I keep reminding myself, you know, hey, the Browns drafted him, keep an eye on him. And when we talk about these waiver claims – that was, that was an area where the Browns were very active when Andrew Barry was here before. And now, granted, they always had top waiver priority, so they kind of – was like a kid in a candy store for them. But, you know, that was an area where they really – it was sort of like a second draft. Uh, it was almost a longer day – it was almost a longer day of work than cut-down day uh, when they went through those, those – adding those waiver claims because they would add so many different players and, and cut so many different players. So – um, that, that's definitely something to watch with this team. Okay, moving on to the – oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. When you're looking at, at, that, at the starting lineup and nobody knows exactly who's going to start where, I do think it matters uh, that, that a new regime comes in and drafts a Jacob Phillips in the third round. Uh, they don't have the loyalty to Sione Takitaki. So he's really going to have to come in here and prove that he deserves one of those starting jobs because they went out and got another third-round linebacker. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Let's move on to the secondary, and I was floored 
when I put this list together uh, that, Scott, you and I matched up exactly. Uh, we both kept A.J. Green. We both kept Javier Thomas. That was one of the guys that I thought maybe uh, Mike Prefer would, would stand on the table and say, I need this guy to stay on my roster. He's, he's my gunner. I need him. That's where he excels. So maybe he'd be one of those roster spots they'd give uh, to special teams. Uh, so I, I don't know. There's no real surprises here in this group. Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, Kevin Johnson, Terrence Mitchell, A.J. Green, Tavier Thomas. Um, I wrestled a little bit with Terrence Mitchell, but I, I just can't, I can't see a case without having seen any of these guys actually play football yet this year. I, I can't see a case where they let Terrence Mitchell go because I think we've seen uh, over and over the last couple of years that having him as a, as a depth piece, even if all he can do is play outside, has been really valuable to this team. Yeah, he was certainly valuable last season when, you know, when Ward and Williams had issues. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, Thomas, I think, makes his team because of his special teams ability. And not even just, you know, I know he got the kickoff job uh, late in the season, but just special teams overall, he was one of their better guys. Uh, certainly uh, had one of the, uh, some of the most snaps on special teams of anybody last season. So I'm sure Mike Prefer will be happy if, if he's back on the roster. Um, and then, you know, A.J. Green, uh, I think Terry mentioned he got 140 grand to, to sign with the Browns as an undrafted free agent, which that's good enough for me. <laughs> if you're looking for a bottom of the, of the depth chart guy at defensive back, um, he seemed to make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think, again, when you look at this group, uh, just in terms of some of the uh, evaluations of these guys, I think uh, there, there's some thought. There's a lot of thought that Greedy Williams needs to step up his game this year, and I think that they really hope that, that he does that. Uh, as again, Kevin Johnson uh, should end up being the nickelback, uh, but they will play a lot of dime in, in this defense. They're going to be in sub-defenses a ton. And again, we did hear a lot uh, about A.J. Green being somebody to watch out of that undrafted rookie group. And, and all we really want is A.J. Green to cover A.J. Green <laughs> this year, right? And that's like right. the goal. If that happens, the season will be a better success. We, it's not easy being green. <laughs> we don't even need him to cover him. We just need him to make the team so that we can do that interview and be like, oh, you're looking forward to covering A.J. Green in, in week two. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, just looking, I've got the cornerback group up here, too. I've got the Ross, the Browns roster up here. There just isn't anyone on this list that, that screams to me, okay, this guy is going to come out of nowhere and, and make the roster. Obviously, it could happen, but talking about a guy like Jamison Houston, I mean, some of these names are names that – that we might not know very well. Donnie Lewis, last year, a, a late draft pick, coming off an injury, ended up spending most of the year on the practice squad. There, there just aren't a lot of names here that I, I think is going to make this real competitive uh, for those five or six spots. Uh, so we both kept six there. As far as safety, we both kept five. Uh, top four are all the same. Carl Joseph, Grant Delpit, Andrew Sandejo, and Sheldrick Redwine, who was a draft pick last year. And then, again, we really collaborated with Terry on this list without him even knowing. I kept Javante Moffitt, who is currently, or at least as we're, as we're recording this, uh, he, he was put on the COVID-19 reserve list uh, when, on Monday, I believe it was last week. So he ended up there, but, but he's a guy that also one of those bonus guys you, you keep an eye on. Uh, and Scott, you went with a trader waiver claim to fill your fifth safety spot. You know, I, again, I just think it's going to be so difficult for those guys at the bottom of the depth chart who haven't done anything in the NFL to, to really show that they belong because without preseason games, you know, we've seen practices, you're left with, you know, you got one-on-one -on -one drills, you know, where again, it's, 
you're made that you know the route they're running pretty much uh it's pretty much a, a the same kind of group of, of routes during those drills and you know other than that there's there isn't a ton of of 11 on 11 stuff and for guys who are down the the, the depth chart you're not getting a lot of reps as it is so um yeah it's that's it's a high a high hill for them to climb during camp over a short period of time when you don't have preseason games uh you know, maybe maybe some of these guys uh, show something more to coaches where that we don't see particularly. You know, maybe on the field, but I, it's, I just think it's going to be tough for those guys to make the team. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with 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 what you guys have here, and and probably uh, the fact that 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 is another place where they could look to add someone uh, from the outside and bring them in. And I think the starters, uh, it's pretty obvious. I think it'll be Carl Joseph and Grant Delpit. I think even though Grant is a rookie, uh, you expect a second round pick to come in and start right away. So I, I don't think there's uh, too much debate about that. And then we've got Anderson uh, Berejo on the, on the roster as well. <laughs> You're going to see Joseph Delpit and, and, uh, and Sandejo on the field a lot together this season, I think. So see, I, I kind of, again, Sandejo was one of those guys that I kind of circled. Um, you know, I think that this camp probably helps him because he's a veteran. And, and if you're going to lean on veterans, uh, you might keep him around. But I kind of had him circled as a guy. We see it every year. Uh, a team signs a veteran guy, brings him in on a, you know, a low-risk contract. And you think, you know, you kind of write him in pen. And then he shows up to camp and you wonder, you know, what, is, what does he have left in the, in the tank? You know, I wonder if, you know, Sendejo still maybe has to fight for that spot, but there's also just not a lot of competition in that in that spot either. You're looking at, uh, you know, he'd be competing with Redwine, who we both put on the roster with him, uh, JT Hassel, uh, some guys like that. So I, I don't know that there's a ton of competition that, that he'll have to beat out. And again, with leaning on veterans, uh, it, it certainly favors him uh, coming into this thing. Okay, that's all of uh, that's all of our positions. No surprises in special teams. I didn't put them on there. We all had Cybert, Gillen, and Charlie Hewitt. So Mary Kay, you're sitting here looking at these lists. How do we do? Do we build a, a Super Bowl winner? Well, not sure about that. I mean, I think it's a very good. It's a good roster. I mean, you guys did a really nice job, and I think there would there wouldn't be and there won't be many differences when I do mine, if I ever get around to doing mine <laughs> this week. Um, well, I'll let a few more guys opt out. And I'll, so that way I will have an advantage over you guys. There you go. Because, uh, then, uh, you know, we'll know who's not going to be on the roster. But, um, but yeah, no, I think you guys did a nice job. And, again, you can see that uh, I think what, it, what that shows, the exercise that you guys just did, is most spots are pretty well set. I mean, there, this is not – a roster where there's a bunch of question marks. The only way, place where things are really up in the air is at linebacker. Everything else is pretty well defined. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what stood out to me. This wasn't a, uh, a super challenging. I, I didn't come across a lot of challenges. It just kind of, it just kind of flowed. And certainly, this is one of those things that it'll change. I mean, if we do this, you know, two weeks from now and three weeks from now. We're going to see some changes, but I do I do think those changes won't be as drastic maybe in years past because guys just won't have the opportunity uh, to kind of make those waves in the preseason that, that we normally see where a guy kind of says, oh, he's he's got to make the roster. He's, he's absolutely got to get it on there. And, you know, there's always a surprise, too, as far as a guy that maybe you think for sure is going to make it, and then he gets cut. So I remember Jalen Strong last year had a really – 
strong camp and was pretty good in the preseason and then they cut him. <laughs> so you just never know what a team actually thinks of a guy. All right, that'll do it for this edition, our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to Football Insider. Go to cleveland.com slash browns or you're probably listening on your phone right now. So head over to your text messages, text 216-208-3965 to start your 14-day free trial. And of course, make sure you're subscribed uh, to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast everywhere you get your podcast. We'll be back with another text or Tuesday tomorrow where our Football Insider subscribers have a chance to actually come on the Zoom and ask us questions. So start that 14-day free trial and, and get involved in that on Tuesday. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.